Welcome to another episode of 30 Minutes with DailyStraits.com, where we delve into the insightful discussions of topics that matter. I am your host, June Romney, and in today's episode, we are joined by Dr. Paul Koen-Sik. Sorry if I got the name wrong. Uh, you can you can correct it later. Sorry about that. A pioneering facial surgeon known for innovative work in treating sleep apnea. So um, our Dr. Paul is here to shed light on an increasing relevant topic in dentistry, the distinctive uh, distinction between therapeutic dental treatments and the rapidly growing field of cosmetic dentistry. Amidst the Reserve Bank uh, of Australia's concern about rising health costs, Dr. Paul Paul will discuss how cosmetic procedures like dental whitening and beardness are impacting the economy and why traditional family dentistry remains vital for our health. So without further ado, let's welcome Dr. Paul to uh, 30 Minutes with DailyStraits.com. So first uh, question is, can you elaborate uh, on the key differences between dentistry that focuses on treating dental diseases and dentistry that centers around cosmetic improvements? Dentistry it's always been practiced for thousands and thousands of years as related to the health of teeth and to remove the ill effects from the overall health of individuals. So if you have decayed teeth, you might have uh, an abscess and the basic treatment has always been to remove the tooth. And that's how dentistry started. Um, it evolved to trying to prevent teeth from getting abscesses and that related to two known diseases called uh, tooth decay and gum disease and so treating gum disease has always been based upon cleaning your teeth um, either at home with toothpaste or through a dentist by scaling your teeth and then you have the treatment of dental decay which um, evolved into creating dental drills and fillings and things like that. Uh, as people lost teeth, uh, dentistry further uh, branched into uh, technical dentistry, which is more to do with giving tooth replacement, which is, um, uh, you know, dentures, and, um, and then individual teeth with partial dentures. And that's that's a tradition. That's the basis for how dentistry is practiced. So that's the healthcare benefits of dentistry. It's the regular review with the dentist of your health, dental health, so that you don't need to lose teeth. But uh, increasingly, um, as it just the twentieth century, really, and, and this century certainly, um, there's a preoccupation with the smile and um, how the smile it's, itself can be managed by the same dentist using fillings and dentures and so forth um, to be able to um, give you a better smile. And, um, and that's considered uh, cosmetic dentistry. Um, so that includes orthodontics. It includes veneers. It includes teeth bleaching things like that, um, but, but fundamentally they're, they're not traditionally seen as therapeutic dentistry, it's seen as uh, cosmetic dentistry. So you have the division of the two types. Okay, so Doc, 
how are the rising costs for cosmetic dental procedures like whitening and weirdness affecting the overall costs of healthcare in Australia? So as we know, dentistry doesn't get any leeway from Medicare. So it's all from your own pocket. So any thoughts on that? Well, that, that, that's because it's not a health intervention. It's not there to make you healthier. Um, having a tattoo uh, is could be considered a health uh, interaction if you... If, if you want to consider it as well as a haircut, um, simply because it's been performed by a dentist doesn't make it a healthcare service. Um, Medicare only gives procedures and treatments for diseases and for um, for treatments that are directed to, towards curing those diseases. And Medicare as well gives contribution to the treatment of dental diseases. Um, but those diseases are limited to dental de decay and to um, gum disease. Uh, anything else, uh, it's considered cosmetic. And whether it's performed by a dentist or regulated as only performable by a dentist, um, well, that doesn't mean it's still a healthcare service. Okay. You know, for, for, for your health, you know, to improve your health. So what about the costs? Is there anything that you'd like to talk about the cost? A lot of people are going overseas these days to get their, you know, cosmetic dentals and stuff like that, which is not really good because sometimes they can buck up the, you know, the service and not give uh, a good service. So any, any comments Sorry, on cost? Is there you'll, a have to, you'll have to explain what is not a good service. You know, sometimes when they go overseas, right, um, Right. The, the, the treatment is not done up to par, like, you know, what issues... Well, yeah, but, but, but then, I mean, you, you have to question yourself whether or not you're seeing a dentist anyway. By that use, using that title, it, you know, doesn't mean that, that that's what they are. Um, and it doesn't mean that they, they meet the standard of what maybe other countries consider suitable to use that title. Um, it, if, if you were to see, you know, a dentist... In their country, you know, so so a dentist who practices dentistry as a self-titled dentist in, say, Bangladesh, would that be the same as somebody who calls themselves a dentist in um, in Canada? Um, you know, and uh, I would say no. <laughs> but but then the consumer simply by saying I got dentistry, and I went to Indonesia. Um, went overseas or somewhere, Cuba. Um, that doesn't mean to say they got dentistry. Okay, so in what ways has social media contributed to the growing popularity and demand for cos cosmetic dental services? Well, no, no professional promotes their professional practice using social media. I mean, all that, all the information that you find on social media is given by people who are, are literally not professionals or dentists, whether or not they believe they, they're, they're, they're credible in terms of providing an opinion based upon what they might read on Google or Wikipedia or whatever, doesn't still make that information valid. Um, so, so the influence of social media is just people upon people. You, you know, Liberal Party voters trying to influence Labor Party voters. You know, it's a, it's a social population-based thing. It's, it's nothing to do with the professionalism of the, of, of the profession itself. 
So if you if you're having people driven to seek cosmetic interactions overseas because it's cheaper, um, that's only because it's cheaper than what they may be comparing it to here. That there there will be different standards, different materials, different methodologies, different circumstances of the provision of those procedures wherever you go. Um, so a, a clinic that's six thousand kilometres away is incomparable to a clinic that's 10 kilometres away from your own. You, you just can't compare apples to oranges. It's pretty silly for people to go overseas to, to engage services that they believe to be therapeutic when clearly they're not. They have no ration, rationalism or basis in healthcare whatsoever. So, Doc, you are a specialist of... Um maxillofacial surgeon is that a dental a dental kind of thing because it's the first time i'm hearing it right so clearly maxillofacial surgery does not enter into the pantheon of social media commentary <laughs> so tell me doc what what because i your speciality is helping people who have uh giving them a surgical solution for sleep apnea yeah. so which is which is a big thing because a lot of people uh you know, uh, working 24-7 and a lot of screen times and working odd hours and their sleep patterns are all whack. Only The only two diseases, only two diseases that belong to dentistry is gum disease, yes, and tooth disease. That's it. Everything outside of that, every other disease, diabetes, brain tumours, bad knees, Every other disease belongs to medicine. And maxillofacial surgery is a medical specialty of medicine. And I treat all the diseases of the neck, jaws, face, bones of the face, sinuses, whatever, skin. <laughs> Just this bit. So it's oh. called maxillofacial surgery. But let's talk about sleep apnea, you know. Um, how can you help patients who come to you with this problem? Well, there, there are many different ways of viewing sleep apnea. Um, uh, the, the very term itself pretty much defines it. It's the apnea you have when you're asleep. Um, and so it's defined by people who, um, who study people when they're asleep when they're unconscious and uh, to see whether or not um, as they're entering sleep, their muscles, you know, we all relax and we don't move, we, we lose our body tone. And as you lose muscle tone, um, the, the, the muscles uh, within the neck and in the tongue re relax as well and they, they block off the airway uh, behind your tongue. Uh, in, in your upper neck. And when that happens, uh, you can hear it starting. It, it sounds like snoring. And uh, and eventually they, it, it blocks. Uh, at that point, you don't hear anything because they're not breathing. And so uh, sleep physicians will confirm that you're, you're having sleep apnea, if only just to tell you what you, you don't know what's happening when you're asleep. So they'll put a mask, which is like a bicycle pump, to inflate your airway um, so that you can, you know, go into sleep, relax, and still breathe. And, and that's, how, that's how CPAP works. It's, it's, 
it's it's not a cure it's just a management system and um and their rationalism for it is that they often see it in older people so they say well a factor for developing obstructive sleep apnea is aging and getting older and flabbier around your neck um so we call that laxity and that, that could be associated with being a female as well with hormones so they, they talk about a, a higher predisposition in women but that i don't believe that's the case um it's just flabby skin and obesity so as you get a bigger neck or more fat uh, the donut hole inside your neck so that's your neck the donut hole inside your neck gets smaller and if it's flabby and smaller and already small, um, uh, your propensity towards developing sleep apnea is quite high. So um, in terms of prevention, it's about trying to make that hole bigger so it doesn't collapse. Uh, you can't prevent people getting fat, but you can tell them, you know, maybe you should exercise and um, have a better diet. And you can't stop people aging uh, from euthanasia. Um, so, so at the end of the day, uh, th there is no prevention for sleep apnea, but um, but there is if you consider there's another issue, and there's a predominance in the community of people who have uh, overbites. They're, co they're cosmetic overbites, and in a non-therapeutic way, that's treated by you know cosmetically uh, to extract teeth to reduce the overbite or prominent front teeth or dental crowding or the unesthetic nature of it and uh, so it's not treating a disease it's just treating the cosmetic effect of it um, uh, through orthodontics but but we now know that dental crowding and bad bites are caused by small jaws and small jaws we now know are the cause of sleep apnea so uh, maxillofacial surgeons are unique because we can make jaws bigger and by making them bigger you can uncrowd teeth you can you can give them the cosmetic effect that they were seeking from the orthodontist without without the need of the orthodontist and you um you prevent or treat completely eradicate their sleep apnea Doc, how many patients do you see in a week? Well, it's just, you might, might say, yeah, how long does it take for a child to grow into an adult? You know, it takes 18 years, right? Yeah. Um, would you call that surgery by God? How many people do you see in a week with the with this problem in Australia? Um, 10. 10, wow. And, uh, and uh, at what stage do you, like, when they come in, is it, like, we have to do the surgery or you still consult them with medication before they do the surgery medication for what sorry when once they when they see you is it straight away you have to you recommend the surgery or do do they have to go through a series of medication or whatever to see well, if they've they already been through a series over the last oh. their entire lifetime of suffering from the effects of having a small jaw so i'm right at the end of that okay uh, and they're, they're saying, can you treat me tomorrow? I, I heard you could cure me. Everyone else has said that they could cure me, but it not been cured. Uh, but I heard that you can and that you can do it instantly. And I go, yeah. Wow. And they go, but I've never heard of maxillofacial surgery. And I say, well, that's because we don't advertise on social media. That's just not the way it happens. 
So, so doc, tell me like how does this surgery work? You put the patient in anesthesia and you work on them for a few hours and then uh, can they work after that? Like, can they go back to work? Um, okay. okay, so if I get a 12-year-old child that's got this ridiculously small jaw, crowded teeth, they've got a big overbite or whatever, um, they've often seen uh, e-nose and throat surgeons because their jaw is so small that they're choking, you know, and they've got big tonsils or they can't breathe through their nose because they have to breathe through their mouth um, dependently to, to hold their jaw forward. Um, uh, so in, in that circumstance, um, I, I, you know, I just operate on them. It takes about an hour. It's, it, it doesn't take very long. Um, you might not even call it a real operation. It's just, it's just an interaction. It's like cutting your toenails or something. Um, but everyone who doesn't do it says, oh, that's invasive. But you, you go, well, you've never seen it before, so how, how would you know? You know, you're just fear-mongering. Um, but if you put your hands together like that, try it. Yeah, yeah. Now, pretend you're, you're two halves of, a, of an ice cube, yeah, and you crack it, so you've got a crack in the middle of the ice cube, yeah. If you float it in water at freezing point, the water will get up inside and the ice cube will refreeze, yeah, and become whole again. But if you, if you separate it ever so slightly, just a little bit, a little bit more water gets up inside and it refreezes. Just before it refreezes totally, you open it again and more water gets up inside. And, it, and just before it refreezes, you open it again. And gradually you can grow out the ice cube. It's pretty simple, but you can do that to any bone of the body. And all, all we do is we do it in a th very three-dimensional way. Um, we can grow out the face three-dimensionally, pulls the tongue forward, it opens up the airway, the tonsils now have room, they can breathe through their nose, the, the, the jaw's bigger and they, they, they develop all their teeth, they don't get impacted teeth, they get a normal bite. It upsets the orthodontist because they don't have to do orthodontics and upsets oral surgeons because they don't have to take our teeth. It upsets the sleep position because they don't have to give them a CPAP. Uh, but at the end of the day, you just cure the, the child. So well, forgive me if this is a silly question. It takes question. about an hour. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Forgive me if this is a silly question, but how do you operate? Do you cut the, the neck? Do you put a tube inside their mouth? Like how does this work? And then after the child is done, are you done with the child? Does he have bruises and cuts around the face? Because you said jaw, right? It's like taking a tooth out at the dentist. Oh. It's, about, it's about that invasive. <laughs> but it's not, I mean, if you think about it, if you go to a dentist and they take out your tooth, you've lost a tooth. That's, that's invasive. But if I operate, which is less than the operation of taking out a tooth, you get to keep all your teeth. So it's not invasive at all. <laughs> and, and by growing the, the ice cube, as it were, the, the bones, um, you're giving tissue. So it's the opposite of invasive. Okay, so after you do this procedure on the child or anyone else, is the cure immediate? Yeah. Oh. 
Oh, well, they have to grow their jaw at home. They just grow it, 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 but it only takes a week or two weeks to grow it. And then no more sleep apnea for life. For life. Yeah. All right, Doc, can you tell me how much does this procedure cost? Is it an arm and a leg or is it affordable or is it expensive? Well, because it's a medical procedure performed by medical specialist doctors who are medical doctors in medical hospitals, we have something in Australia called Medicare. Yeah, yeah. Which is what doesn't work in Indonesia, it doesn't work in India, it doesn't work in Bangladesh, it only works for Australians in med in, a, in Australia. And then you've got this other thing called medical insurance. Okay, so it's paid by that. Okay, that's great because, um, yeah, so... You still, pay, you still have to pay a little bit, but it's like those new drugs that they, you know, $40,000 a tablet, but if you go, if you're approved for it, yeah, it costs you five dollars for the prescription, <laughs> whatever. It's because it's the Australian system. But that's because it's therapeutic. It's not cosmetic. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can't expect the government through Medicare and medical insurance to pay for cosmetic procedures. Whatever the argument, you know, you, if you get a tattoo artist says, I'm not doing a cosmetic procedure. This is therapeutic because it's psychologically better for the patient that they have a tattoo. You have to look at them and go, are you nuts? And whether they're a tattoo artist or, or someone selling you a car or whatever, yeah, they're still not medical doctors. Mm -hmm. you, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. So when people complain about the cost of dentistry, it's like you may as well complain about the cost of the test load that you want to buy at the car yard. Right? You're seeking a cosmetic, non-therapeutic service that, you know, if you want that, fine. That's a free society. But don't put it as a burden upon the rest of us. But the problem is, is that a lot of these cosmetic treatments that are coming about are flowing into Australia yeah, they're flowing into Australia and they become a cost burden because we, we have to pay for that by foreign trade exchange. So all the coal that we dig up out of the ground and sell to India or Japan or Europe or US becomes a trade deficit, which we don't receive in terms of steel or concrete or, or um, petroleum or energy or weaponry or whatever. A, a big proportion of it is given to us by Allergan for Botox or Invisalign trays by, uh, for, for cosmetic tooth straightening by um, Align Technologies in the US. Yeah? So, so the, the Reserve Government basically said, Guys, what are you doing? You're, you're all pursuing, you know, cosmetic treatments utilising these incredibly expensive offshore products for non-therapeutic reasons. You are contributing effectively to our trade deficit and our inflationary rise within Australia. The, 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 the Reserve Bank said, you know, cosmetic treatments, you should be thinking carefully about that, including cosmetic dentistry, but they were misquoted. They said you shouldn't be pursuing dentistry. Well, that's not the case.
you should be pursuing dentistry, the, 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 the normal form of it, the therapeutic form of it. But just like cosmetic surgery in medicine, you shouldn't be pursuing cosmetic dentistry in dentistry. You know, it's just that that would be silly, you know, because because you, you're, you're, you're ruining it for the rest of us who aren't so vain and, you know, and insightless as to the economic effects of that. I, I had a bit of a mismatch because I thought you were into dental, but it doesn't look that way. But um, I, I told you I'm an expert in all of it. Yeah, <laughs> that okay. doesn't make me exclusive to it is my expertise to that one profession. Okay, so let's yeah. just uh, I just have one final question. So why is it important to uh, maintain, um, you know, regular dental checkups? And um, yeah, like, you know, and how can this uh, help cause uh, Regular dental checkups is to prevent the two diseases that belong to dentistry, dental decay and gum disease. That's it. Seeing a dentist to, to talk about your sleep apnea is like you may as well talk to a brick wall. It, it, it's just not going to work. They're not medical doctors. Yeah. You could talk to your tattoo artists about sleep apnea. You could talk to your mate, neighbor about sleep apnea. The insight into it would be about the same. Well, how do you get your patients referred to you from the public hospital or they, they, they come to your door and, like, you know, show up? So how does They it knock on my door <laughs> and if, they don't, if I don't answer, they knock again and they keep knocking. But you do you need to get a referral from the public hospital? No, no just no. get a, a referral from a normal medical doctor called your GP. Everyone should have a GP. Everyone should be looked after by their medical GP. Uh, every, everyone should have a, a GP. And fundamentally, if your GP doesn't know that a cure for sleep apnea exists, you just find another GP. <laughs> just, but I can't do anything without referrals by medical doctors. Okay. I'm not, I'm not a, I, I don't work as a primary medical doctor. You know, I, I don't look after the the medical needs of my patients, I, I just cure them of sleep apnea and then they go back to their GP. <laughs> and who, what is the youngest patient you had? For sleep apnea? Yeah. Uh, 10, 11. 10? Oh, 10. And your next question would be, what would be the oldest? No, no. My next question would be, what is the most challenging one you had? The challenging one you had to fix up, you know, is that going to be... Oh, they're always the ones that have been operated on and been given a go overseas in Indonesia. <laughs> oh, okay. Or wherever, you know, the, you know, especially the ones that go overseas and they get cosmetic surgery. Um, of course, when they fly back and then the complication occurs, the aeroplane won't let them, the airline won't let them back on the plane to fly back. <laughs> Because you know they've got a disease, yeah. so they've got to be treated here. So, dog, do you treat international patients like non-Australians with no Medicare? Yeah, yeah, we do that all the time. So, how much is this whole procedure? Is it is it expensive? Like, can you give a ballpark? I'm not going to tell you that. It's like you you you, well, you, you want to know my wage? No, no, no. It's okay. No worries. But is You'd it like to know my bank account? No, is it an expensive procedure? Is it a very expensive procedure? Well, yeah, it's hugely expensive. Oh. Do, do you want me to tell you how it's expensive? 
No, just give me a ballpark figure, not the whole thing. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, sleep apnea, right? If you get it, you live 15 years less than everyone else who hasn't got it. That's called all-cause morbidity. There's a cost of being on a CPAP. There's a cost of having obesity. There's a cost of having diabetes. There's a cost of hypertension. There's a cost of looking silly with a small jaw. There's a cost of all the cosmetic procedures like having chin implants or facelifts. There's a cost of nose surgeries to clear out your blocked nose or maybe remove the back of your tongue that's obstructing your airway. There's the cost of the orthodontics, the dental extractions, a whole range of things. And then there's the cost of just dying 15 years earlier. So the, the real cost of surgery, if you put it together, is equivalent to giving you back 15 years of healthy living. Uh, so how much is that worth? I don't know, 100,000, millions? Oh, well, so you were alive for 15 years, perfectly healthy, having, you know, a beautiful face, beautiful bite, you keep all your teeth, don't have sleep apnea, don't have obesity, don't have hypertension. That's only worth $100,000 to you. No, I said a million, a hundred to a million. Oh, a million, only a million dollars now. Yeah. Well, yeah, so, okay, so it's it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a substantially expensive. Uh, well, I would say to you, it's priceless, isn't it? Yeah, it is, it is. It would be priceless, yeah. My job is to preserve the system so as to enable repeat access to that system by people who are legitimately seeking treatment of their conditions, yeah? yeah. And, um, and, and not just treatment, but ultimately the expression as cure of their condition. So do, um, okay, last question, just absolutely last question. So after they do the procedure with you, you said you, they take two weeks, right, to recover. So during that two weeks, are they allowed to work or are they supposed to have full bed rest? No, they take after the procedure. They take about an hour to recover. Oh, that's and then and then we just you know look after them for a couple of weeks or days or whatever it is. It's it's not you're allowing your imagination to run away with you. I I don't personally publish my operations on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not doing cosmetic rhinoplasties or showing how I do veneers and. Botox injections on, online, that just demeans what I do. I don't explain it except through books and through scientific forums. I certainly try to explain these things to my patients when they present, right? But I've never explained it to you because you've never been a patient, so it remains in your imagination. Yeah. We escaped the 19th and 18th century version of surgery around about the 18th or 19th century. You know, surgery belongs in proper medical hospitals by proper medical specialists with proper anesthesia and proper surgical modern methodologies of management and care. You don't get any of that outside of a Western nation like Australia, like the United States, like Western Europe. You know, we, we have the best technology and the best minds and the best people here. We just don't shout it out to the world because who are we competing against? We're competing against the other guy who's shouting louder. By shouting, all you're doing is falling into their, into their um, realm of philosophy and self-promotion. Yeah. Awesome. 
Awesome, Doc. So, all right. So that's all that we have for uh, today. This has been a really eye-opening, interesting chat about uh, sleep apnea. So uh, thank you, Dr. Paul, for joining us today and sharing such an invaluable insight.